0: Mind, body, and soul, be a better you, the Edge of the Mind podcast
1: for mental health and physical well-being. I am back, and this is another episode of Edge of the Mind podcast. I am Dan O'Mac, and this is actually going to be a special episode because it's also going to be released for Pro Wrestling Edge. as a special episode for there. But like every Edge of the Mind podcast, this podcast is designed to motivate, inspire, and support each other, where I have on real everyday people telling real stories of their struggles with mental health, physical well-being, and overcoming adversity. Um listen to our PWE podcast network. We have Pro Wrestling Edge. We have Talking Sports with PWE and Edge of the Mind Podcast. You can find Talking Sports and Pro Wrestling Edge on all social media at PWE Pod and the website PWEpod.com. All of the episodes for both of those podcasts are there. There's information about all the hosts for the podcast. And there's also a link to our merch store at Brainbuster Tees. Um for Edge of the Mind, there's an Edge of the Mind Facebook group page, Edge of the Mind Podcast by PWE, and at Edge of the Mind Pod on Instagram. are, I want to give a shout out to our partners. If it wasn't for our partners and our sponsors, we wouldn't be able to do this. Uh Rue Psychedelics, find them on Instagram and find them on Facebook. Uh, Jeff was on our, our podcast. Um, great guy. He supports everything that we do. Go follow Roo Psychedelics. Uh, whirlwind productions detroit if you need any voiceover work any pr- podcast production work contact uh, whirlwind whirlwind productions det on facebook and on instagram and brain jerk entertainment those guys are more than a podcast find all their work at brain uh, I've got all that out of the way <laughs> let me get to my guest uh, my guest today is thomas williams thomas how are you I'm doing good. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I, I, I'm excited to have you on because not only are we going to touch on mental health and your story there, but we're also going to get into wrestling because you are in the wrestling business. So that is where this is going to come out as, as a special episode for Pro Wrestling Edge as well. But Thomas, go ahead and tell our listeners um, who may not know you from our wrestling, you know, the wrestling fans, um, not to know who you are, just tell us a little bit about yourself and, um, and we'll go from there.
0: Uh, my name is Thomas Williams. I'm actually the owner, promoter, and a booker for War Wrestling that is uh, actually based in Lima, Ohio. i um, been doing it overall for 20, almost 25 years um, in the wrestling business. Um, um, so yeah, I mean that's pretty much who I am as as a, on the wrestling side of things. Um, I'm 49. I just turned 49 years old, so that's a, kind of a huge thing. <laughs> you know, honestly, it was pretty funny because I did absolutely nothing for my 49th birthday. It was like I, we literally went to dinner and came home. So, uh, but other than that, man, I'm just a normal everyday guy who, like you said, you know, struggles with has struggled with mental health. And uh, that sort of thing, Uh, I will say, you know, kind of as far as my story, um, I grew up dirt poor in uh, Lima, Um, grew up with, I want to say, I grew up with around the drug business, Uh, You know my 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 parents, uh, you know, still think Woodstock is a part of everyday life. You know, Um, you know, so I grew up around that, and uh, it wasn't nothing for me to, you know, I can remember being three, four years old, smoking weed, and you know, doing all that sort of stuff. Um, You know, so that was just the culture. You know what I mean? Like I grew up around it, so I didn't really think nothing of it. Um, As I got a little bit older, or whatever, um, that's where you know, kind of like the addiction stuff got into into play. Um, You know, growing up, dirt poor. You know, I was all about fast, easy, quick money. So it led into, you know, other parts of my life that, you know, I try to block out. But, you know, I, I did some stuff for whatever. Um, and I, that's all I do. I mean, I didn't know anything else, um, you know. Uh, so it was just one of those things where, you know, I grew up um, with that way. And uh, I've actually been with my wife for 31 years. And it was kind of the way she showed me a different uh, way of life. You know, she didn't grow up the way that I grew up. Um, you know, her her and her family was all about family. Um, I mean, I got nieces or I got nieces and nephews that I haven't seen in 15 years. I mean, I, you know, I got you know, a family. Two, I got two sisters that live. I don't know, less than 45 minutes from me that I've probably seen one of them in once in the last 15 years. And the other one, uh, she actually came to a wrestling show. (laughs) So, you know, so, you know, that's that's kind of it. You know what I mean? And uh, uh, I will say, you know, I've been cleaning sober for a long time. And I kind of did it uh, cold turkey because I wanted a better life. Um, my wife, Christine, uh, kind of showed me the different ways. So I've been kind of clean and sober. Um, I still tell people this to this day, and some people disagree with me, but I'm still an addict. Um, I'll always be an addict. You just learn to cope with it in different ways. And in my case, uh, food took the addiction to the, the place of the drugs. And I became addicted to food, and I got all the way up to uh, 500 pounds. And that uh, kind of led into the health, health, uh, health uh, problems, um, you know, uh, pretty much, uh, you know, diabetic and high blood pressure and all that other happy stuff or whatever that we talk about uh, to the point where um, I believe my A1C at the one time or my blood sugar, excuse me, my blood sugar was a thousand and thirteen. Oh, wow. Uh, to put that in kind of perspective normal 70 to 120. (laughs) so um you know when i had two episodes of that you know but you know as far as the 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 addiction side or whatever you know um it went from you know the drugs to food um and then it just got to the point where uh you know my body broke down and this and the other and not until i hit rock bottom did I kind of uh, change things? And what I mean by that is, is I can remember, remember, point is day when we lived in a second floor apartment and we did a show. And uh, I don't know if I did. it took a bad bump. I'm not really. I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I just remember the after effects. And basically, what it was is, is I couldn't get out of bed. I literally had to slide down off the bed onto my ass to call Christine and tell her, hey, you know, something's wrong. Something's not going. You know, I, I can't work or can't walk. I can't you know do whatever. And I actually crawled down the stairs or whatever and got to the hospital. They took an MRI and they basically said that. Uh, I had the back, the hips, and the spine of an 85-year-old man that I would basically be crippled by the time I was 40 from uh, uh, crippling arthritis. And I, you know, you're young and you're dumb. You know what I mean? You're young, you're dumb, you, you just, you move on, you take some pills, you move on about your day, and you just, you know, you just deal with life. And at some point in time, I just couldn't deal with it no more. It was affecting my wife, my life, my wife, my family, my friends. You know, it was affecting everything. And uh, I went to my family doctor, and he's pretty straight-laced, straight to the point, no nonsense, just tells it like it is. And he looked at me, and this is his exact words, and I quote, and it's one of these things where when people hear it, they're like, did he really say that? And I'm like, yes, he really said that. He said, well, the one advantage you got is, is you don't drink and you don't smoke. You're still relatively young. Your one problem is is you're a fat fuck. And I was like, holy crap. You know, I was like, uh, I didn't expect a doctor to say that. And he said, you know, I know your past. He's like, you can have back surgery. And you may be that one person that it doesn't work on. He said, but then you're also that one person that may end up being addicted again because of dealing with the back issues again. And I said, I don't want that. You know, I don't want no part of that. You know, I don't want to go back to that. I said, if food's the addiction, then I'll have to deal with it. He said, Well, what if, what if you have you ever thought about doing weight loss surgery? And I said, No, nah, not really. Now, mind you, my brother in law had just had this. Uh, I want to say about ten months prior, and he almost legit died from it. Like, le- like to the point where they were like his blood pressure and all that was like barely beaten tight because he had a bad effects and I'm like ah, I don't really know you know I was like I'm not sure and my wife was absolutely 100% against it because she was the one down there her and her mom were down there at the hospital when he was there so they seen the seen the effects and I'm like ah, I don't know he's like man just 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 hear me out and he's like just just go to the doctor um this specialist or whatever hear what he has to say or whatever well the specialist actually ended up being a family friend of my wife's husband So it was kind of nonchalant, you know, like, you know, off the record type stuff. And I'm like, listen, man, this is what I'm going through. This is what's going on. What do you suggest? And his exact words to me was, is uh, even if you do everything wrong, you're probably going to lose enough weight to take the stress and the strain off of your body to where you're going to start feeling better to where you can get off the pills. You can, you know, do all those sort of things that you want to live. You know, he's like, I'm not saying that it's it's not possible or you know you're gonna fail or whatever you know he's like I'm not saying that he's just saying that you know once you start feeling better then it may click in your mind and it may you know you may start feeling better so you know I'm like all right you know I'm like whatever so went home talked to the wife and uh you know she was all like hey listen you do what you got to do you know um and mind you at this time our relationship is probably one step from being ended you know it's it's probably one step from being ended and i can even remember you know the 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 show that we was doing where it was kind of like everything came to a head is we did a show in a little town called versailles ohio and it was a sold show and they bought the show and we're doing it or whatever and literally you know like 60, 70 people shows up and I'm just, you know, I'm having a bad day and a bad, whatever. And she said something and I said something and we ended up, (laughs) we ended up, she went to the bar and I went home and I'm just like, Oh, here we go. This is the end. This is, you know, we're throwing away, you know, 25 years. We can't do it no more. You know, we're not getting along, you know, and it just couldn't do it. So I called her brother and I said, Hey, you know, and we call him Bubba, his real name's Mike. And I said, Bubba, you know, this is what's going on, man. He was like, dude, you just got to, you got to get shit right. You know, you got to, you got to do, do it. And he's like, you're the only person that can do it. So I'm like, all right, man. I'm like, so I'm scheduled an appointment with the, with the surgeon or whatever. And uh, I was like, Hey, this is what's going on or whatever. And he said, man, listen, he was like, I can do the surgery. I can give you all the tools. I can give you all the education, but you're the only one that could do it. So that was my rock bottom moment. That was my rock bottom moment, you know, of the addiction, the food. You know, a lot of people are like, well, you know, how can food be an addiction? Well, I can sit here and tell you that I got those same endorphins from food as I did snorting a line of cocaine. I can flat out tell you that without a shadow of a doubt. I can tell you that because I've been on both sides of that. So I scheduled the appointment. I did whatever. I sort of had to go to these meetings and I, you know, they got me, got me on a strict diet and this and the other. Now, mind you, I'm like 500 pounds. I'm legit like 500 pounds. And I lost, uh, I got lost like 30 or 40 prior to the original meeting and this that, and the other, but it still wasn't enough to take the strain and the stress off. It just wasn't. So they got me on this diet and they got me on, you know, doing, you know, all the little things I needed to do education classes. I had to go to a psychologist and, you know, and got to counseling and do all this other stuff, which, you know, me and Christine went to some family counseling and all that. That helped tremendously, too. And we did all those sort of things Well, then. Uh, the my official weigh-in, I was 403 pounds. That uh, that was my official weigh uh, in when, when I started uh, when they scheduled my surgery. So I had theoretically lost about 90 some pounds on my own or whatever. And it still wasn't enough. It just wasn't. You know, I mean, you include the arthritis and you didn't do all that or whatever, you know, it just wasn't enough. So I got finally got my uh, surgery scheduled or whatever. And, uh, and i don't mind you, I'm taking pills to live on to, you know, basically not croak, not die, <laughs> you know, every day. And this was a motivating factor for me and when i when i had my surgery um i was like 397 or whatever so i lost a little bit of weight from the initial thing but when i had my surgery i was 397 pounds within nine days of that surgery i was completely 100 off of all of my meds so that was my moment that was my light bulb moment where hey this is a tool Hey, this is something that's going to make you live the rest of your life, you know this, that, and the other. And the crazy thing about it was, is, is, um, I tell people this: I didn't do the surgery just for me. I did it for Christine and my family and my friends, you know, because, uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm a, an okay guy to be around when I was in a good mood or whatever. But, you know, a lot of people don't understand when you feel bad all the time, you don't know what it like, what it feels like to feel good. You don't know. Like, I, I can sit here and tell you right now. I, I never knew what it felt like to be good. I had 25 years of just being a miserable prick. You know, that's being honest. I, you know, I, I just, you know, I wake up in the morning, I go about my routine or whatever, and I didn't care who I pissed off. I didn't care about none of that stuff or whatever. And it had an effect on a lot of people, and I hurt a lot of people in that process. Um, so, you know, when I, when I had that light bulb moment, of uh you know being completely off of my meds after nine days of surgery it was a motivational factor and i can remember this playing this day the day that i had my surgery you know the song tainted love tainted love yeah. i said that to my wife i'm I'm literally being willed down for my thing and that's the way i felt our relationship was it was tainted love like we've never not loved each other but we had so many other distractions that it was tainted you know what i mean like our life, everything was tainted, and I told her, I said, you know, I said, I, I said, tainted love, and she just looked at me, and I looked at her, and I said, you know what, Christine, I said, I put you through hell for over twenty some years, and I'm from this point forward, you know, we're gonna live our lives, and I'm gonna, we're gonna live it with no regrets. And here we are seven years later, and I'm two. I'm still down 200 and some pounds. I've gained a little bit of COVID weight, as I call it, <laughs> back. But it's been the best seven years of my life. And it's also been the best seven years of the wrestling because it was it, the, the cloud was lifted. And I tell people, a lot of people like this, um, pro wrestling is the one thing that I always felt I was good at or decent at. But it was also the one place that I was accepted in. Um, Pro wrestling is a bunch of misfits. We're all from all walks of life. We all got different backgrounds. We all got different ways of life, or whatever. But it's that one common bond and that one common thread that we all come together on, and that's kind of where we go with that, or whatever. You know, like I said, you know, seven years of, you know, quote unquote, being clean and sober, or whatever. You know, from the food addiction. You know, but and here's the thing, you know, uh, going back to what we were talking about with the with the addiction, um, I tell people that. You know, the same endorphins that you get, and this and that from food, drugs, whatever. I didn't drink soda for two and a half years. Not one drop of soda. And I can tell you the first time I drank soda again, and I can, and and it goes back to being the addiction side, is we did a show in Huntington, Indiana. And on the way back, there's a little town called Markle, Indiana. And it got this little mom and pop place that had red cream soda, barks on tap or or on fountain i'm like holy crap i'm like "I, i i'm gonna drink i'm one drink and i'm good we got this thing and it was like snorting a line of cocaine it was. Those same endorphins came back, that same addiction came back, and boom, and now here it is two and a half years later, three years later, I'm back to drinking soda. Now, granted, it's it's diet, but still, it's still those same impulses, the same whatever, you know what I mean, that I put myself in that situation, you know what I mean, to do. So, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, the mental side of things, you know, like, I still fight my battles every single day, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, I went back to, you know, doing sweets, you know, for whatever reason, you know, that's my crap. It's sweets, you know, Um, but I've also learned to use the, the weight loss um, and the education that I got, you know, leading up to that as a tool, you know, like I still monitor all my calories, you know, set almost seven years later, I count my calories, even if it's bad, you know, bad calories, I still count them every single day, you know, so, you know, have an opportunity for people to tell, you know, to listen to this, you know, um, and and to, to kind of focus on the mental side. even when it comes to the wrestling you know like i tell people all the time you know like uh you know like i'm the pied piper when it comes to the wrestling because i bring all the misfits together and we put on a show Mm. and that sort of thing but you know i also legitimately care about the guys you know i've had i had to talk a few guys off the ledges as i say or whatever during covid you know where they posted some stuff and it kind of was a red flag for me because i've been there done that you know so i you know i immediately reached out and um You know, and I immediately was like, hey, listen, man, call me. Here's my number day or night. I don't care if you don't know me. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I don't care. Like, I've been there. I've been through all of that. So, yeah, you know, that's the big thing with me. You know, that's my story. You know, 31 years I've been with Christine. Um, She's been we've been together since she was 16 years old and I was 17 years old um she's a very 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 strong woman to put up with my bs um you know and uh you know like i said we i made that promise to her you know and and, and i, I kind of feel like i've uh, held up to it for the most part you know um but you know I, i'm real and i will tell you guys this for anybody that's listening um you know, I've been struggling about the past couple months mentally or whatever, and I actually quit taking my meds. And I can tell you right now that it's probably the worst thing that ever happened because it's affected me and her relationship again. And, uh, you know, that's not a good thing. You know, like, you know, don't be ashamed that you got to take pills to get through everyday life. You know, a lot of people don't understand that, you know, like I, I grew up where, you know, a man was a man. And he didn't show his feelings. And, you know, no matter how hard things hurt. You don't show. You don't say it. You don't speak it. You know what I mean. You go on about your way. You know what I mean. And you just never speak about speak about you know the mental side, and uh, you know having feelings and this and the other. And that's something that a lot of people just don't understand. You know what I mean. You know I'm still known as Big Tom. You know what I mean. Here I am, two hundred and some pounds later. But you know that's the stigma that I've, I've built up over the re- over the years with the wrestling. But you know I, I'm just a, a common ordinary guy who has a uh, addiction still. You know, I, I I don't know. I mean, I still feel even being clean and sober you're still an addict because I, I know what those triggers are for me, you know what I mean? Um, but I've definitely used uh, the, the education that I got with the weight loss surgery, um, you know, to, to make me a better person. And and I think Christine realizes it too, you know, like, you know, we've been to Vegas, we've been, you know, I took her to Nashville for her birthday and we went and seen Tim McGraw and Faith Hill in concert. You know, that's stuff that we would have never did seven years ago. We would have never done that. We ought have been just, you know, focused on wrestling, 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 and and screw everything else. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys, I don't want to say guys, a lot of people in wrestling can't balance professional life and personal life. And I do that. I make a point to not take my cell phone, you know, on certain things, you know, that we do. Um, you know, I make a point to spend times with my nieces and my nephews or whatever, you know, I make a point, uh, you know, to, you uh, people that are positive in my life, but to spend time with them, I will sit here and tell you this. It's not wrong to cut out toxic people in your relationship, regardless if it's friends or family. I tell, I'll i be the first one to tell you that, um, and I'll give you a little bit of an example of even in my own family. Uh, my parents, which is my stepdad and my mom, um, I say it all the time and people get mad at me for saying it, but they're the type of people that's waiting, living life, waiting to die and it sucks like i'm 49 years old and i go over there and when i leave i feel like i'm a two-year-old little boy that made a mistake and i've done something wrong and it sucks so i intentionally pick and choose my bottles when i go over there you know it may be a couple times a year that i see my parents and people will be like oh man that's messed up no it's not because i don't want that toxic bs in my life you know what I mean? Like I'll be there for my parents if they call me tomorrow and said, "Hey, they need five hundred dollars, or they need to go to the grocery store, or they need this, or they need that." Absolutely, one hundred percent, I would do it in a heartbeat. But I'm not putting myself in that situation anymore to feel like I've done something wrong because they're living life waiting to die, and they always want to live in the past and bring up all the past and all the drama and all the all the stuff or whatever. Where it's like, you know what? That's the past. You know, that's defined me as a person. But doesn't mean that's who i am now and a lot of guys a lot of guys don't get that and a lot of people in general don't get that you know um i my wife is a very positive person. If you ever met my wife, you would think she's hiding her wings somewhere. You know what I mean? Because she's very positive. You know, like I tell people all the time when it comes to the wrestling, like she could run a wrestling show and everyone would love her because everyone loves her. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't have a bad word to say about nobody. You know, she's just her. You know what I mean? Me, on the other hand, you know, I'm the resident asshole. You know what I mean? I'm the guy that's got to make those decisions. But, you know, she He's made me more of a positive person or whatever, you know, and that's the thing. Like I said, you know, seven years, it's taken me seven years to even be remotely happy. And I still have, you know, I still have moments in time where, you know, something irks me, you know what I mean, or something just gets underneath my skin, you know. Um, and it, it's like a flashback to, you know, being that 16-year-old kid again, you know what I mean? And so I, I just, I've just i intentionally, you know, cut out a bunch of toxic people over the years or whatever, you know. And, you know, it's funny how life works because, you know, I've cut out, you know, what i feel filled the toxic people with and then, you know, I'll hear through the grapevine where they're like – he thinks he's better than everybody. And, you know, he, he, you know, he's living a life and, you know, he ain't got time for us and this and the other. And I'm like, listen, I just don't have time for you to be toxic. I don't have time for you, you know, to, to drag me down. You know what I mean? And, you know, and and if that makes me a bad guy, then that makes me a bad guy. You know, um, so, yeah, I just, you know, I'm just an ordinary person, you know, I mean, I've struggled, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I'm 49 years old, and I still struggle with day to day life, you know, there's nothing wrong with admitting to your mistakes, there's nothing wrong with, you know, admitting that you need help. You know what I mean? Like last night, I'll give you a good example. Here's a great example, actually. Last night or whatever, I'm struggling because, um, you know, I I hold war wrestling. You know, that's my baby. And I hold it to to my heart. It's like I got 20 years invested in this, and I'm not going to allow anybody to – put a, a you know scar letter on that per se you know i mean i'm not going to allow anybody to you know feel like I, it's going to we're going to be judged because of someone else's actions and someone posted something on a public forum or whatever about getting high and drinking with the wrestlers and anybody that knows what goes on in this community or whatever when it's wrestling it's war wrestling you know what I mean? It's just what it is, you know, and I'll be the first one to tell you, I don't have no, you know, I'm not on no witch hunter, or whatever about someone, someone smoking a joint. Like I said, my parent, my dad still thinks Woodstock was yesterday. So if that gets to handle what I deal with when it comes to my parents, it is what it is. You know what I mean? I did a college, uh, I did a college paper or whatever about the effects of hemp or whatever and what it was or whatever, you know what I mean? Like I'm very, very educated to the marijuana, you know, it's not the devil's lettuce and all this other BS that people want to make it out to be, you know, but in the community I live in, there are still people that will judge you that you smoke weed. And here he is, this gentleman is posting about smoking weed with the wrestlers. So it pissed me off and mind you, I reached out to people that I could fight in. Two of them are then in the wrestling with me that helped me behind the scenes. And the one was my PR girl who actually knows the guy that posted it. And I simply said, hey, am I being approved here? Am I, you know, out of uh, out of touch with reality? You know, and they they pretty much joked and was like, well, yeah, you are kind of approved, you know, I mean, you know, you know, whatever. But they said they understood. And I was I was legitimately mad about it or whatever. But the point what I'm getting at is 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 that was a flashback moment for me even though that it was that gentleman's probably not his intentions to piss me off you know that was his intentions of because I got 20 years invested in this and here it is someone else's actions could have an effect on something that I've spent 20 years doing so it legitimately made me mad and it brought back feelings of here we go again I'm going to have to cross this bridge that someone else's burn and it messed with me mentally it I'll be be the first one to tell you this is just last night this is literally last night probably about this time but mess with me mentally to where I reached out to my PR girl, you know, and I'm like, hey, you know, what am I, am I being wrong? Am I overthinking it? Am I, you know, what am I doing wrong here? You know, and we talked, we, we text back and forth for like an hour to where she basically was like, listen, we will deal with that if it becomes an issue. Don't make it more than what it needs to be or whatever, you know, you can only control your actions or whatever. And I'm like, boom, there you go. I can't control what anybody else does. And I hope hopefully it doesn't have an effect. And I think that's where a lot of people get um, get caught up in things where, you know, like in my case, you know, what he did had an, what I felt would, would be an effect on us. And it had and I had an emotional response to it or whatever because of the past. You know what I mean? So that's the big thing is, is you know, um, surround yourself with people that, uh, and this bugs me more than anything, and I'm sure you see it with the wrestling also, I absolutely hate yes bitches. And what I mean by that is, is every single person agrees with you. Even if you're 100% in the wrong, you're going to be like, yeah, man, yeah, that's good, blah, blah. hell no, I'm not that person. And I surround myself with people. i got three or four people that they'll just tell me like it is. If I'm in the wrong, they'll tell me I'm in the wrong. If I'm overthinking something, they'll tell me or whatever, you know. um, It's yin and yang, you know what I mean? And... I, I'm all about that. You know what I mean? Like I don't have all the answers. I tell people this and it comes kind of goes with day-to-day life, but I use it more from the wrestling standpoint was this, if I had all the answers, I'd have a psychic hotline or I'd be making a living in the pro wrestling business. I don't have all the answers. Educate me on something that I may not know, or 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 shed shed light. There's other people out there that may know a little bit more than you, that may experience a little bit more than you, or whatever. You know, lean on those people. You know, lean on them when you're having a bad day. You know, reach out to them. You know what I mean? Reach out to them and be like, hey, you know, this is what I'm going through. This is what's going on. You know, uh, what am I? You know, where am I going or whatever? You know, um, I will say this: I haven't had no counseling in the past few years or whatever. I'm not saying that I don't need it. I'll be the first one to tell you that, but I also know that I'm a hundred percent better than what I was seven years ago. You know, um, I still have those demons. I still have those impulses, um, you know, and when it comes to the wrestling, like I said, you know, at the beginning of when we were talking, like, um, that's the only thing I ever felt I was good at. And then until I found that balance where, you know, I, I could do family life and wrestling life or whatever, um, the people that have, have a, I mean, i don't say the people that think they know me probably don't know me because I've actually changed so much in the past seven years. Um, you know, I know you had somebody on here or whatever who I actually have a past with or whatever. And that was uh, Josh Blanchard. Um, I think he was on one of your podcasts or whatever. And, uh, you know, going back to him, you know, he's actually one of the founding fathers of war wrestling with me. And we have a historic past. To the point where probably even seven years ago, if I would have seen him, I probably would have punched his lights out. But with that being said, I'm a different person than I was seven years ago. And we have our 20 year anniversary coming up next year for War Wrestling. So I extended an olive branch to every single one of the founding fathers of War Wrestling. And we plan on doing a reunion at our 20 year anniversary. Now. I will sit here and tell you, seven years ago that wouldn't have happened at all. Matter of fact, he lived two doors down from me, and I swear to and I swear to God, if he ever looked my wrong way, I'd blow this house up. That's a true story. and and, and that's just the way it was. But that was more or less because they made things personal on a personal side of things, whatever, before the wrestling. And it took me a long time to get over it. It's, you know, it took me a long time to realize that. And it only because my mental health is better. My physical health is better. And now I've kind of taken off some of that, uh, protection, I guess you could say, or whatever. And I've actually spoken to him and I've actually spoken to another one of the founding fathers or whatever of war wrestling, Jason Bice. And, uh, Like I said, you know, I'm just a different person and it's taken me a long time, you know, think about that, you know, like I'm sitting here openly admitting, you know, that I'm a different person and it's taken me seven years to basically tell those guys that, hey, let's squash any beef that we had, any personal beef, any professional beef. And let's give these fans one time reunion, even if you know because we haven't been together i'll be the first one to tell you that Uh, we started war wrestling in uh, 2003 and uh, within three shows they were 100% gone, so you know but. I've never shied away from this, and I think that's something that maybe people on the wrestling side may not realize about us. I've never not acknowledged the founding fathers of war wrestling. You know, we all had a dream. We all had uh, a moment in time where we decided to do something, and we stuck it out. And I felt like those guys should just have pride you know something that you started is still going 20 years later you know have some pride have some pride in knowing that it's still going and i've never shied away from letting people know who the founding fathers are you know what i mean because we all had that vision of giving back to our hometown giving back to the local community and building a good solid promotion for the fans and for the wrestlers you know a lot of people don't realize this when it comes to us about war wrestling is is you know kind The reason why war wrestling got started is because me and Tom Carl and Bob Cornwall did a a show um, in front of the hometown crowd with, it was actually the HWA at that time, the Heartland Wrestling Association, who had a WWE developmental deal. Well, they came to Lima and wanted to run at the fairgrounds, and they got a hold of us and said, hey, we know you guys are local. Can you point us in the right direction and get some, you know, some fans there, post, post out some posters and flyers and tickets and, you know, whatever we needed to do. So we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, and I wasn't even living in there. I wasn't even living in Lima at the time. I was actually living in Columbus, Ohio. So we get to do this show, and now, mind you, we were the opening match. You know, the, the locals knew who we were. You know, we thought we were, you know, the cat's meow. Well, they – you know, they didn't, you know, they didn't give two shits less who we were, the the less stature and the other guys that was running the HWA, they shit all over what we did. They didn't like what we did. They pretty much said if we wasn't from the, the HWA or Ohio Valley wrestling at, at a time that no one gave a shit, you know what I mean? And we took that shit personal. I'll be the first one to tell you that we took it very, very personal because I'm sitting there thinking the three guys that was in that ring, you guys asked to be a part of your show to help your show. We did our legwork. You give us six minutes with entrances and then you shit all over what we're doing, knowing for the fact that the three people that you're talking to are all from Al Snow's school in Lima, Ohio. You know what I mean? So we took it personal. Well, the other three founding fathers or whatever were in the ring or were in the crowd and they came over and was like, dude, what was all that about them? You know, shitting all over things and this, that, and the other, and we're like, I don't know. So we had a meeting that night. And that's where, where, where the war wrestling came into point, point because at the end of the day, You know all we felt we had was the wrestling and the respect and we was going to earn it we was going to make them believers in what we're doing and that was like july of 2002 and we did our very very first show in january of 2003 and we planned that show we you know we left no stone unturned we promoted the shit out of that show we did whatever it needed to be done you know we felt like we was the next best thing since sliced bread and 541 fans showed up. So those are the expectations that we set with War Wrestling right from the jump. You know, a lot of people don't understand that about us or whatever, you know, like War Wrestling didn't start with 25 fans and we ran a show and we had 35 fans the next time. Then we have 50 fans or whatever. We started with 541 fans. And the funny thing about it is we look back on this show now, it was the drizzling chips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It was, I'll, I'll tell you it was, because we went with people that we knew, we put, went with people that were our boys, regardless if they were crappy or not in the ring, and we went with people that you was booking us other places, okay, that's typical wrestling. You know what I mean? It's your homeboy that tells you everything that you, that you're the best thing ever, you know? So we drew 541 fans. Well, then that spread. Holy crap, man. Lima, Ohio just drew a solid crowd. Let's see if they can do it again. Boom. Another 500 and some people. Boom. Another 500 and some people again. Well, then we had a falling out with three of the original members or whatever. Basically what it was is when we first started, It was uh, we all put in equal amounts to pay the bills. That was the agreement right from the jump where by hook or by crook, we all had to put in equal parts to run the show because we didn't have no sponsors at at that time. You know what I mean? We didn't. You know, it was, uh, you know, as you as as my one buddy tells me, it was a it was a cash advance promotion. You know, we, you know, you're getting cash advances, cash advances to run the shows. So, you know, we had a falling out where we did a show and three of the other members of the founding fathers didn't have their money. And I was like, well, that's not going to fly guys. Like, you know, like can't do that you know what i mean like we we gotta make sure the bills get covered i'm not giving the boys the hot dog and the handshake i'm not doing it you know we're just and you know and mind you that's 20 years ago you know what i mean that's 20 years ago me thinking that shit's not flying you know like it's not happening so i uh ended up friending three or four guys or whatever who were fans actually who came and just started being a part of our setup crew and our tear, tear down crew like they just they still bought tickets they did whatever you know we asked them whatever. Whatever. They just said, hey, if you ever need any help or whatever. Well, they still happened to be there that night. And I looked over at the three founding fathers and I pointed to those guys and I said, hey, I guarantee you if I went over there and asked those guys to be a, a promote, or be a part of what we're doing behind the scenes financially, they would do it. And they kind of looked at me like, like calling my bluff. And I said, well, as far as I'm concerned, our relationship's over. You guys can hit the bricks. And we ran the show, and we did it. And then then those guys came on board. And uh, you know, um, that's where you know I tell people all the time that if you teach people the right way, um, business, and you teach them whatever, doesn't matter if they're a fan or not. You know, the whole that whole drama with being who's a fan and who's not a fan, and this, that, and the other. You know what? If a fan's got a good teacher then it doesn't matter if they're a fan or not. They just see it from a different perspective. In the story, I don't care, I'll argue with you till I'm blue in the face. You know, a fan sees it from a different standpoint. So if you can teach a fan the business behind the scenes situation or whatever, and they're educated to it, then you know what? That's probably the best type of person to have because they also want to please their buddies, their friends, their whatever. But then they also get it from a fan standpoint or from a promoting standpoint where you gotta do things right. You know, and we've done stuff for 20 years, you know, like I told people, we've had one show in 20 years where the boys got somewhat of a hot dog and a hand, handshake and i believe it was like our fifth or sixth show where what i did was is i actually uh, i uh, put my personal money in with wrestling money and didn't take it back out Well, we went and paid all the bills and then i'm like uh i just put like four hundred dollars of my own personal money in there you know what I mean, and I had to go tell the wife that. Well, she wasn't flying; it wasn't flying. So I went and told the locker room, like, "Listen, you know, you pay, paydays will be a little bit light. I'll make it up to you guys, or whatever, you know." And boom, you know. But here's the thing with that, you know, by us drawing good shows, and uh, and we weeded out all the, you know, I call, weeded out the guys that were nothing more than the ticket t- ticket sellers or whatever, and this, that, and the other. We started bringing in guys like, you know, the Danny Daniels of the world, and uh, the Chris Sabins and the Alex Shelleys and the and Nigel McGinnis's and all those guys, like all those guys started wrestling for us. So we started doing all those sort of things. And then it just kept snowballing and snowballing, snowballing. And then we got, you know, we started doing a lot of charity work. Um, where you know, we would do sold shows and the money would go to the charity. And, you know, it just started building into a brand where it was kind of like, hey, if War Wrestling's name is on something or whatever, you know, they're going to give it 110%. You know, we're going to consistently do it. Well, then that led into doing ball uh, shows or whatever with the fairs and the festivals and all of that, you know, where we would have, we was having 8 to 10 sold shows a year where Where, you know, we was part of the entertainment of the local county fair. And, you know, it just kind of snowballed into all of that or whatever to where it became a legitimate business. You know, um, and I'm sure if you've watched, you know, seen any of our social media or whatever or seen my post, you know, I don't shy away. Me and my wife have made a point not to put in any money, any of our personal money into the company in 14 years. You have not put in one red cent because I got tired of doing that. I got tired of stealing from Peter to pay Paul, you know? So it was like, you know what, what can I do to turn this into legit? What can I do to build a brand? What can I do to get sponsors on board to help offset the costs or whatever we needed to do to run continually run shows? And that's what we did. You know, like we bought, we got the sold shows. Well, I would make $500, let's say, on on a sold show. Well, I put that $500 aside, and then I would do another sold show, and then I put that $500 aside, and then I would do another sold show, and then I put that $500 aside to the point where we went – and bought our own ring and bought our own guardrails and it saved us X amount of dollars. You know, we started with crappy, you know, par lighting or whatever that a friend that owned a, you know, a band didn't use or whatever. And we kept upgrading and upgrading and upgrading and upgrading or whatever. You know, I found companies to work with where they was basically, you know, 12 months, same as cash, you know, where we made a monthly payment on our new microphones that cost me $2,000. You know what I mean? You know, we started doing all those sort of things or whatever. And then I just kept, kept plugging away and plugging away and plugging away to where the fans started still following us. You know, they still started attending the shows and they started, you know, uh, you know, following us when we would do a fair show, you know, 50 miles away, boom, there was an instant 50, 50 people audience that knew the angles and knew the storylines and knew all those things, you know, and I tell people this all the time, you know, um, going to the wrestling side of things. You know, build your local guys like they are legitimate stars. Build them. And I and I tell people this all the time. You know, I, I use this as an example um, of something that a lot of people don't understand. I uh uh, anybody's heard stories of buff bagwell or whatever and i can tell you two stories about building a brand of pro wrestling um to where it came back to where it's like it shows you how much uh, pro wrestling is a small world and uh we did a show with buff bagwell on the show and buff likes to party and he likes to hang out and one of our other guys one of our other guys whatever is you know all about the party and whatever well they friended each other and they started hanging out and doing whatever and i said the other and mind you i'm the guy who i'll sell the after party up but i ain't showing up you know what i mean that's just that's just not my cup of tea you know what i mean i'm not into all of that i don't uh, you know but you know also talking about from that standpoint too you know when all the boys are at the bar i still got three or four hours of work you know what i mean i'm still tearing down putting it all the doing all this sort of stuff but whatever so buff bagwell calls us out of uh you know like three two to three weeks before our next event or whatever he's like hey brother you know could you use buff bagwell on your show or whatever and i'm like no nah, not really you know I'm like everything's already booked or whatever well him and uh bob cornwell um went to another show together and bob calls me he's all like man buff really wants to work for us or whatever you know and i'm like well show's booked you know sorry about your luck you know i'm not a mark i'm not paying this dude this money you know to come out and have his five seconds of fame i really don't care so he's like man listen he told me he was he's got freaking flyer miles or whatever he will fly himself up here on his own dime for gimmick money i said what he's like yeah dude but i knew the reality they just wanted to hang out and party <laughs> you know what i mean i knew it ain't no big deal I, I knew i knew what was going on it is what it is so both messages me, he's like, hey brother, you know, we, I'm glad we got to come up there and help you guys with your guys' pre sale And I'm like, ah, oh, like three or four hundred. And he said, you're a fucking liar. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, bullshit. You ain't got no names on that show, you ain't drawing that many people, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, whatever, dude. You know, I'm like, you know, book your flight, you'll see, you know, you'll see. So The week of the show, I get a message from Bob, and he's like, hey, man, Buff's really excited about coming up, and this, that, and the other, whatever, you got stuff going on, plan for him. I'm like, yeah, we worked it out. It'll make sense. He's going to do a run-in, set up a match. We're all good. So it's all good. So the thing of the thing, you know, the day of the uh, show, he comes in, and he's Buff, you know, he's, he's in gimmick. He's in full gimmick, you know, this, that, and the other and he's like uh brother you know you need me to do any local radio or whatever to hump, pump up whatever and i'm like nah dude i think we're good you know no big deal you nobody knows you're coming anyway so you know it's you're you haven't even been announced you know so he looks out and he turns around and he's got this holy shit look on his face and he's like um i owe you guys an apology And we're like, what do you mean? He's like, it's fucking packed out there. There's four or 500 people out there. And we're like, told you so. And he's like, well, I never, ever, you know, been around anything like that. Whatever, you know, I apologize. So I'm like, all right, cool, you know. So we set this thing up or whatever where him and Dusty Dillinger um, do a run-in or whatever. They were saving Chad Collier to set up a match later on. And Buff does his thing. He's got his hat on. He's flexing and this and the other. The fans are cheering for Dusty Dillinger. Because he's the local guy that we built up as a legitimate star. The fans see no difference between Buff Bagwell and Dusty Dillinger to the point where Buff Bagwell leans over and says to Dusty, they don't even know who the fuck I am. Now. That's the type of stuff that I'm talking about that promotions need to do. They need to build their guys as legitimate stars. You know what I mean? And we've done that. You know, the other thing where it shows you how uh, small the wrestling world was is is, uh, Tommy Dreamer. Um, when he was part of the talent relations or whatever for Ohio Valley, when he was still with the WWE, um, he was at a pay-per-view or something out in California. And we had talked to him about bringing him in or whatever because we actually had a couple guys uh, that was under the radar for them to be signed. And it's been quite a few years ago. It's actually uh, Sweet Stevie Lee um, who's passed away. Um, he has a huge connection to the Michigan Independence up that way or whatever over the years. Um, but he was being looked at by the WWE. So we reached out to uh, uh, you know, Tommy Dreamer. Hey, you know, we'd love to use you. You know, blah 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 to and the other. Well, he finally got a hold of us, and at that time we were like, we only got like a special, um, a special referee gimmick or whatever. But kind of backtrack a little bit. He had misplaced my number or something, and a fan was out in California that had our had our shirt on, and uh, they said he's like, is that that group in Lima, Ohio? And they were like, yeah. He was like, hey, have those guys reach out to me? They talked about bringing me in, but I misplaced their numbers or whatever. So this fan gets a hold of me and he's like, hey, I don't know what's going on, but you need to get a hold of Tommy (laughs) German. And I'm like, okay. So we reached out to him and we brought him in unannounced. He literally was the special guest referee for the thing. You know, um, we have never ever booked a name to use as a draw. We use it as a bone for the fans that may not get opportunity to see a Jerry Lawler, a Test, a Buff Bagwell, Al Snow, or any of them. We've never used that, you know, because I feel like the guys that we're currently using are already stars. You know, so I would much rather build them as stars and all that. And all the names, quote unquote, that we've used over the years have just been a bonus for the fans that may not go to Toledo or Detroit or a Fort Wayne, Indiana or Columbus, Ohio or whatever. You know, so that's that's just one of those things that we've done. You know what I mean? And 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 a lot of people don't get that. A lot of people don't look at it from from a business standpoint. You know, like this is 100 percent a business to me and my wife. And we treat it as such. And, uh, you know, and it's not happened overnight. You know, that's a lot of things like, I think a lot of promotions uh, lose sight of that. You know what I mean? I didn't start out with a $7,000 wrestling ring. You know what I mean? I didn't start out with a $10,000 lighting and sound system. You know what I mean? We didn't start out with none of that stuff, but we've we've managed it to where, you know, we, we're we not selling for Peter to pay Paul and any money made off the wrestling goes right back in the wrestling. You know, um, we don't take away from that, you know, like, you know, I'll, I'll I'll tell you straight up, this is what happened over the past weekend, you know, our shows are in the middle of the month, well, you know, bills fall this, Bill, bills fall that, the, you know, crowd's been down a little bit here and there or whatever, you know, we, we put in $900 for change for the show, so, you know, we got enough change for the show, boom, that came right off the top. Right back into to, to into our personal accounts. That's right off the top. Boom. That's that's nine hundred dollars. That's going back into that. You know. But you know, another thing too that a lot of guys don't realize. You know, uh, we pay all of our staff. There's not one member of our staff we don't pay. You know, uh, uh, we just had a kid, uh, William Wolf. He's actually from uh, Future Great Wrestling. He's a, a student of Cody Hawks. Actually, job shadowed me this past show. And that kid's mind was blowed following me around. You know, he even wrote, he was like, What the hell, dude? He's like, You got stamina, dude. You're 14 hours and you're still going and you're still doing this and you're still doing all that. But, you know, like I tell everybody, you know, that little 30 or $40 I'm paying my staff member. They're putting in a 14-hour day of physical work, physical labor. You know what I mean? You know, but here's the thing. I also don't rely on the guys to be part of the ring crew. You know, the whole pan dues, you know, like, I agree with it. But I'm not going to force anybody to be like, hey, brother, bring your trainees so they can put in a 15 hour day and they may get used in a battle royal, you know, like, no, like, it doesn't work that way, guys. Like, I'm all about paying dues. I'm all about that. I'm all about, you know, the the, the past, you know what I mean, paying your dues in the past and, and all of that or whatever. But, you know, you got to give these guys a little something. You know what I mean? You got to give them a little bit of something. So I don't depend on, you know, if, if a wrestler wants to come and help be a part of our ring crew, more power to them. But I legit, I figured it up Saturday night and it's not as bragging, but between our staff and our wrestlers, we paid 55 people. 55 people we employed on a monthly basis to come entertain our fans. And they put, You know, and I treat it that way. You know, every one of our fans, you know, they appreciate us, what we're doing. They appreciate all the time away, that these guys or whatever. But, you know, as far as the staff and all of that, you know, I've been to some shows uh, just recently, actually, probably in the past six or eight months where, you know, the promoter is bitching about not having the green kids come and help, you know, and then he's bitching that he's not getting no help. Well, guess what? If you're also not paying the guys – and this that, and the other none of these guys are really going to go out of their way and some promoters won't even give these guys a thank you you know which blows me away like these guys were risking you know we had an incident here's a here's a here's another thing where you 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 got to try to cover all bases one of our wrestlers got legitimately hurt saturday night he compound fractured, fractured his finger on a mistake a legit it was a bad chop and he got his hand up in the way and it caught his finger compound fractured his finger I have a ER trauma nurse on our staff that was there within two minutes of him going, coming to the back, she's already taken care of it, put it in a splint, icing it, doing whatever, telling him what he needs to do, what he needs to go, go to the ER, whatever, you know, boom, there you go. You know what I mean? And it's not that we feel we're better. It's the fact of shit like that happens. So you got to be prepared for it. You know what I mean? Like you can't sit here and tell me that if you run a promotion, you don't know somebody that is a nurse or EMT, or whatever. You know what? Bullshit. I'm calling BS on that because, guess what? I've known this girl since she was 16 years old. She's been a trauma nurse for 23 years or for the last 10 years, or whatever. She's a family friend of mine. You know what I mean? I said, hey, cats. You know, can you help me? Just because nothing's ever happened, but I want you there just in case something does happen boom cody hawk blew out his shoulder two or three shows before that she elevated it she did what needed to do she you know she did all those sort of things or whatever you know those are the little things that matter to the guys those are the little things you know what i mean you may not be paying that guy a hundred dollars to wrestle okay but why can't you have water in the back why can't you provide some food for him you know those are the things that matter. You know what I mean? Like, I tell, I tell any of the green kids this, and uh, when you go to another show and you've worked out a deal with a promoter and he promises you $50, let's say he promises you 50 bucks. I tell every person, green or not, the first things you should do when you get to this show is look at the ring and the reason why is because if that ring has more duct tape on it than canvas, they lack pride. If those ring ropes are saggy and not tight, they lack pride. Because guess what? That's the very first thing fans see. That's the very first thing that, you know, the only thing they can compare it to is what they see on TV. You don't see no holes in the canvas. You don't see the ring ropes saggy. You don't see the poles not being painted. You don't see none of that stuff, you know. And the next thing I tell everybody to look at is, is if they can't afford $4 for a case of water in the back. You're probably not getting your 50 bucks. And a lot of people don't get that. You know, like we provide food, we provide catering, my wife and my mother-in-law, whatever, make food for everybody. You know what I mean? Uh, You know, we could do like this last show. We did simple stuff. We did shredded chicken and sloppy Joe with potato chips and desserts and a veggie tray and a cheese tray and all this other stuff or whatever, you know, because guess what? If you're only paying that guy 50 bucks, then he don't have to spend $10 of that going through Denny's. You know a lot of guys don't understand that you know it's the little things is what matters you know and it took us a long time to learn that you know what i mean like I, I think that's the one thing like you know me and you talking or whatever and i can see you know like a light bulb moment going off in your head about little things that you've seen or not seen or this and the other but honestly what i've said to me is common sense shit. if you want somebody So go out there and kill themselves or whatever, and they know they're they're getting a hot dog and a handshake. Do you really think you're going to get a five-star match? Hell no. But guess what? When they come to the show and the sound system looks good, the lights look good, the ring looks good, everything's organized. You know, here's another thing. What other sporting event doesn't start on time? Does the NFL say, hey, there's only 10 people here, or whatever, we got to wait for the extra five people to show up, so we're going to start to show a half hour later? No. No. You know what I mean? Like, come on, guys. Like, it's simple stuff. It's simple, common, ordinary stuff that we've learned over the years that we've stuck to our guns on. You know what I mean? And we won't budge for that. I can, I can tell you right now, I can remember a show probably a couple years ago where it was legit 701. And I'm screaming at the top of my lungs that them doors better be open. You know, that or not the doors, the, the show better be started. It's seven oh one. I'm legit screaming at the top of my lungs because guess what? The only other thing that fans can compare it to is what's considered other professional sports professional football, professional baseball, professional hockey, they don't intentionally be like, oh, we're going to start the show because Johnny come lately isn't here yet or we're going to start the show at 7.15 now. It doesn't work that way, guys. It's all about perception. It's all about, you know, giving it that it's bigger than life, you know, and a lot of guys just don't seem to understand that. And, and even with me, you know, me talking, I'm sure there will be somebody somewhere that will be like, he's a cocky, arrogant asshole. I know it, it's wrestling. I get it. Mm -hmm. but the reality of it is, is I will help anybody. If that person called me tomorrow and said, Hey, I need help with this. Hey, I need help with that. You know, I've gotten just this week alone, I've gotten two people reach out to me about new aprons for their ring ring or whatever, because I found a good deal on aprons. Boom. No questions asked. Actually, the promoter of the new Ohio wrestling that did the Arnold Classic stuff, his canvas got messed up the week of the show. I had a brand new 18-foot 18, 18 canvas or whatever, actually 20-foot, but 18-ring for an 18-foot ring that we hadn't used yet. And he said, hey, brother, he's like, what can I do to get that? Because I want to have a nice, solid canvas or whatever for our big moment, which was at the Arnold Classic. I said, man, I said, uh, when do you need to buy? He said, I need it this week or whatever before the Arnold. I said, all right. I said, I'll tell you what. I will give you my personal canvas that I had made for us that I haven't even used yet. You pay me what I paid for or whatever, and you cover a little bit of my gas money or whatever, and I'll personally bring it to you. That's what I did. I drove two hours and delivered it to him at his training facility or whatever so he had it for the arnold you know i've taken phone calls from guys or whatever about fixing their wrestling ring and the underneath cables you know i've done all that sort of stuff or whatever you know because i can tell tell everybody you're only as strong as the weakest link and and we're all grouped together as the good the bad and the ugly So, yeah, you know, like I said, I know I'm rattling on about some things and you're kind of just sitting there and, uh, you know, if you got any questions, dude, I know we talked to you, you might have some questions and that sort of thing. Like, I would love to answer anything that you have.
1: So first thing I want to say is uh, funny you say Marco, Indiana. We stop there every time we go out to Indianapolis for flophouse <laughs> wrestling. That's our stop. We wrestling, stop the Little dude. Town of there's a beacon. Listen, there's a beacon on
0: that place or whatever, dude. It's like the wrestling thing. I'm telling you, dude. It's like it's funny you say that because it's like a little hole in the world in the middle of nowhere. Like I get it, but it's funny you say that because it's true. You know what I mean? Like it's a little tiny town. And like I guess that it's just, you know, that's the biggest thing, man. You know, we're all grouped in this together. And you know, I, I, you know, when you said you wanted to do the mental health side and also the wrestling side, I was like, you know what, man, this is an opportunity. And I, and, and I want to thank you for this because it is an opportunity for me to maybe break down some of those barriers that people get a preconceived notion about me. You know, um, I, I, I use the analogy that I have heat with people that have never met me, and I say that in in the way of like. They go by, it's almost like the fish story where, you know, the dude caught a six inch fish and by the time he gets to his third cousin, it's a 12, you know, a 12 foot shark. It's the same scenario. I feel like that would mean, like, you know, I may say something that's not politically correct or someone may not agree with it. But with that also being said, I'm also open minded enough to listen to someone else's uh, perspective. You know, I mean, I've learned that over the last seven years. You know, where my way can't always be the right way, and it goes back to what I said at the beginning of this thing. If I had all the answers, I'd have a psychic hotline or be making a living in professional wrestling. You know what I mean? So I, I know there's people out there that have experienced more than me. You know, um, Les Thatcher, if anybody knows who Les Thatcher is, that gentleman is a legend in this business. You know, he rubs everybody the wrong way. You know what I mean? Everybody, you know, there's people that can't stand him. But guess what? He stood the test of time. And I will sit here and tell you, if there's something that I may or may not know or I have a question for or whatever, this, and the other, I reach out to him. I still reach out to Al Snow. I still reach out to uh, Roger Ruffin, who runs the NWF uh, Northern Wrestling Federation in Cincinnati, who was in the WWE as a referee. I still reach out to those guys. Hell, I've reached out to Sammy Callahan. I've reached out to Danny Daniels, who runs AAW. You know what I mean? I've reached out to some of those guys over the years, you know, and then asked them about a talent or excuse me, or something like that. You know what I mean? Like I'm not oblivious and sitting here saying, Oh my God, it's my way or the highway or whatever. You know, Bob Evans is a good example of that. You know, he's traveled, he's got a podcast or whatever. He came to one of my shows one time and he was just like, um, yeah, dude, you need to talk more. You need to let people know where what you do and what you bring to the table. You know, I got some guys, uh, you know, that, like I said at the beginning, do some of the super indies. And, uh, you know, they wrestle in Chicago and Detroit and other places like that. And they're like, dude, like, war wrestling is like one of the best kept secrets or whatever in pro wrestling. And I don't know if it's the best kept secret. I will say this, that I have intentionally not done many podcasts or social media stuff or whatever for a reason. And it goes more or less back to of uh, me basically saying we've always worried about the live fans at the show. And I'm still old school in my way of thinking or whatever, where it's pound the pavement, you know, the locals and this and the other, you know, Uh, it's kind of funny that we're talking about all, you know, all different aspects of the wrestling, because uh, I just opened up to where we had some fans that were interested in being a sponsor of our anniversary show. And I've never, ever, ever in my wildest dreams ever thought that that would happen. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just always felt, hey, they're going to buy a T-shirt and they're going to buy a ticket to this show. And that's cool you know what i mean like i never thought about it and then i kept getting hounded for it and i kept getting hounded for it and finally i'm like listen am i missing something here you know what i mean like am i missing something like i i reach out to some you know some of my some of the people that i i respect in the business and i'm like am i missing something you know what am i missing they're like well you know ever since COVID, this is you know this is kind of came the new age where fans want to be more involved and they just want these promotions to succeed So they're willing to, you know, put a little bit of extra money in or whatever as a sponsor. You know, you may float them on a T-shirt or something like that or whatever. And my outlook was always, you know, when someone's willing to do that, they want more. They want something involved. They want to be involved. They want to be whatever. And so I opened up my mind to it and I reached out to one of them that had been bugging me and bugging me and bugging me and bugging me about being involved as a sponsor a partner or whatever. And I said, man, what do you want? I'm like, I'm being honest. I'm being blunt. I'm not trying to piss you off. You know, I'm like, what do you want out of this? And he's like, man, I absolutely love your shows. And I know the past two years have been a strain on you and your wife or whatever, you know, cause I've, I've not shot away from it. You know, we lost over $50,000 during COVID as a company. You know, what I mean, like not too many companies can come back from that. You know, we lost 50 grand and sold shows and bought shows and fundraisers and all that other stuff, whatever that we do. We normally do. We lost that. And, it, and there was no getting, you know, coming back from that. And so, you know, this gentleman who runs a business of, you know, I just want to help he's like i'm a fan above everything else but i just want to help you know he's like if that hundred dollars helps pay one of your guys' salaries on the show or whatever to where you can save that hundred bucks to do something else i'm like boom and it kind of was a light bulb moment for me because i've never been around that i'm old school my ways of thinking where it was just pound the pavement you know flyers posters tickets you know uh, word of mouth you know that sort of thing um so that's where we that's where we went with it. And, uh, you know, so I was kind of like, OK, let's, let's see what it's come So, you know, I drew up a t- contract or whatever. He signed it. He paid me. And here's the ironic thing about it. He paid, you know, like 250 bucks and he actually gets uh, eight general mission seats uh, for the show. And he can do whatever he wants with it or whatever. You know, this our only our only agreement is, is not to sell them. That's it. Don't sell them or whatever, you can do whatever you want. Well, he's also the same guy who wants front row. So he was like, listen, uh, we did a thing where if you bought uh if you bought the um, uh packages or whatever, you got the age general mission, but you could also upgrade them to uh reserved. He's like, dude, I'm still paying twenty two dollars a ticket. He's like, because you're losing money if you do it that way. He's like, you're losing money. He's like, I'm still paying for that. So that was a light bulb moment for me, you know, where, you know, we started. And in, in, in here's the thing we've we actually got uh, four, I'll say, fans who have sponsored our anniversary show. And it's, you know, just the simple fact that they want us to put on a good, successful show, a packed show, and they felt that like that money was going to help, you know, and that just blows me away, you know. But like I said, I, the times have changed, you know, like I, you know, I try to keep up on promotions or whatever, and I see some of these promotions um, who, you know, there might be 30 people in the crowd, but they have a great Internet presence. And that's something that I feel we're lacking. I'll be the first one to tell you that as far as like Twitter and, uh, you know, the, the TV and all that sort of stuff or whatever. That is 100 percent out of my wheelhouse. I'll be I'll tell you right now, like I wouldn't know what the hell to do, you know, but we're slowly getting better at it. And we're slowly doing all of that because I've never really approached that. You know, here I am 20 years promoting. And now I'm still learning new things, you know, so to me, that goes to show you that none of us know at all, you know, so lean on the successful people, lean on the successful promoters, you know, like, you know, like I I tell everybody, you know, like I'm all about, you know, if you got social media or whatever, and you see me or you want to know something, reach out to me you know what i mean reach out to me i'll answer i answer every single question sent my way i answer every single uh person looking for wrestle uh you know looking to be booked on shows i answer them you know they may not be what we want at the time but i answer them or whatever you know it's all about common courtesy it's all about you know all of us working together you know so you know it's just one of those things man so but yeah do you have any other questions i know you know like i said you wanted to ask some stuff or whatever and
1: Actually, as you talked, you answered a lot of what I was, I was wanting to get from you, but um, yeah, I hey, maybe I do have a psychic part on you, man. I need to the
0: Hotline, man.
1: But I, I'm going to let you, um, in a few moments, uh, talk a little bit more about the anniversary show itself. Okay. I, I do want to give you a, a spot there to do that, All right. but I want to get back to a couple things and okay. I want to wrap up the, um, the, um, mental health and the addiction conversation. Absolutely. Um, One of the things that I want to say to you is congratulations on the weight loss. I also, I haven't, I'm going to tell my story on this podcast. I also was 500 pounds at at one point. Yes. Um, You get it. So you get it and you understand. And I get it. I get when you were talking about the addiction and, and the feeling you get from food, the same as what you got previously. So when you said food was an addiction, absolutely. Food is an addiction. I was at 503 pounds at my heaviest and I've dropped about 200 pounds. Awesome. I'm right around, give or take some days I'm, I'm on the, uh, the, uh, in the 200 land, but, but you know how, how you said, you know, COVID stuff. i you know, you get oh, over yeah. yeah, it. I'm, I'm about, yeah,
0: exactly. I'm like, I'm about, I'm up about 20 pounds from COVID. I get it.
1: So, um, but, so I, I completely commend you for that. That is not an easy thing to do. And the fact that you are putting in 14 hour days, I know you feel better putting 14 hour days. And now that you're down all that weight for, from when you were at your heaviest. So congratulations on that. That is not an easy thing to do. So I do want to give you, and I, and our listeners don't understand. And I will, when I have my episode about my weight loss, uh, uh journey, I will talk a lot about it, but Um, that too is, is huge on your mental health. So going through all that after having the addiction to the drugs, getting your new addiction and coming through that and still doing everything that you're doing, I want to commend you for that.
0: I appreciate that.
1: Um, and the comment I like that you had too, is not have the yes people around you. Two of the guys that are on the PWE podcast network are my guys that will call me out on my bullshit. If I'm doing something wrong. So when you said that, that was another thing that resonated with me is, is uh, don't have all the yes people around you.
0: Um, You know, it's funny you say that because I can sit here and tell you right now, as far as my inner circle of uh, my day-to-day life and my inner circle of wrestling, I can honestly sit here and tell you, I don't know if I have any yes bitches
1: and that is the best way to be cuz i honestly don't I, I can i mean i can sit here and tell you right
0: now i mean me and my wife have been together for 31 years and she will be the first one to call me out <laughs> you know but but yeah i mean and that's the whole thing man when you talk about the mental side you know and now now i know you know your journey and you're going to tell your story like that's the whole thing man is we're just common ordinary people who are living a dream you know who uh, have addictions you know we we incorporate the wrestling as part of that you know what i mean so yeah you know i mean like i said when when you When I became part of your guys' thing or whatever about the mental health side, I I messaged you and I was like, listen, I I want my story to be told. You know, I want people to hear it because – you know, like so many people don't understand it. You know what I mean? Like I said, wrestling is the land of misfits, but some of us legitimately fight those battles every day. Some of those people, I still fight them battles every single day. You know, like, you know, like you said, you know, putting in the 14 hour day, here's the thing that people don't understand about me. talking about the physical side. I'll get kind of tell you a year ago, I got my knee crushed at the show by loading the ring. Now we load the ring or whatever, um, we load the wood up or whatever like nine high and they offset two of the boards and I wasn't paying attention well two of the two by 12 18 footers landed on my knee and basically moved my knee where it normally is all the way to the other side of where my knee should be and I've been fighting that for the last year so I actually got four tears in my meniscus right now and I know for a fact if I was 500 pounds I would be in a wheelchair you know what I mean so that is part of it. And the crazy thing is, is when I had my MRI and all that done, he flat out was like, listen, 90% of this damage is because when you was 500 pounds, it was beating you half to death. He's like, now you're 49 years old and that is just something that triggered all that damage or whatever. You know what I mean? So I get it. You know what I mean? Like that's the whole thing is, is those addictions and weight loss and all of that sort of stuff or whatever. It's one and the same as is a guy that's freaking hooked on Oxycontin. You know, I, I, I'll be the first one to tell you that. And you said the same thing. You you can relate to that. So, you know, that's the thing that everyone needs to hear, you know, uh, hear about that. You know, like I can sit here and tell you that if I was still 500 pounds, I wouldn't be here. I would be dead flat out. I would flat out would be dead, you know, and you get people who say, oh, you need to go to the gym and work out more. Oh, that's the lazy way of having surgery. And, you know, I've heard it, you know, well, you took the easy way out and this and the other. And I'm like, listen, if you truly knew how hard I worked or whatever to even maintain the weight off of, whatever, yes, you're trying to build muscles. I'm trying to maintain my weight so I don't become in an addict again and I don't have to take those pills again to stay alive. You know what I mean? Like, come on, guys, you know, and that's the big thing with me, man. Like, I, I, I am forever grateful that you gave me an opportunity to talk tonight, to tell the story that needs to be told and, to also, and, and also to possibly break down some of those barriers as far as the addiction side of things and also on the wrestling side of things. You know, like me and you talked about at the beginning of this about, you know, people got this notion that, you know, gang wars or whatever for fighting over 50 fans at a wrestling show, you know what I mean, between promotions, you know what I mean, like, come on, guys, it ain't that serious, you know what I mean, like, you know what I mean, so I'll tell everybody, I'll work with, I'll work with anybody, I'll help anybody, if there's anybody out there that's fighting an addiction, that wants to reach out to me, I don't even have to know you because sometimes it's easier not knowing that person just to hear that story. But we all can relate to it. And that's the thing with me is I'm an open book. I'm an open book. I mean, I'm sure you've probably heard me say some stuff tonight or whatever. Like, well, holy shit, this dude, it just tells it like it is.
1: Well, is. You've been open with me since we started our uh, dialect A month month and a half ago you've been you've been open with me so yeah and that's
0: the whole thing man as i'm a i'm a very very i I tell people i'm brutally honest to a default (laughs) but that's just me man you know because here's the thing you know going back to to you know the yes bitches and people will tell you what you want to hear you know my whole life when i was a kid was pleasing other people and you know what i mean like that's all i ever you know grew up wanting to do was please other people. And I had people around me, you know, that when I was doing the hustling and doing all that, where, you know, it wasn't nothing for me to go below for $500 at a steakhouse or whatever, and all my homeboys or whatever, getting free food or whatever. Well, yeah, they're, yeah, absolutely. They're my yes bitches. You know what I mean? That's the truth of the matter, you know? So I, I came to a point in life where I was just going to tell it like it is. And if you love me, you love me. If you hate me, you hate me, but at least you're going to know the truth. And it's, just, it's that way in my day to day life and it's that way in the professional side or whatever you know like you're gonna get the brutal truth because i had people lie to me you know what i mean i had people you know in the wrestling lie to me where they were like hey brother i'm going to india or whatever and i'm going to be a part of uh uh i'm going to be a part of this movie or whatever when i get back or whatever you know that those thousand dollars you loaned me or whatever um you know i'm going to give it back to you or whatever well guess what you know that person comes back and he's driving a brand new vehicle and i didn't get that thousand dollars which in turns means you know we stole from peter to pay paul at the beginning of things or whatever even before war wrestling you know we still you know we had a duplex house and some of my wrestling brothers quote-unquote lived upstairs well they didn't pay none of the bills none of this none of that well guess what happened i lost my house over it. i lost my house over pro wrestling so i don't need no yes bitches you know what I mean keep keeping it real because I had that happen when I broke into the business where I bought everything that they said hook line and sinker you know what I mean so I've been there done that so you're never going to get that from me you know what I mean I'm never going to be that guy that just tells you what you want to hear because it's not going to it's not going to happen for me so yeah man like I said I I, I'm forever grateful for the opportunity I'm forever grateful Now, now you got me intrigued to hear your story So to me, there's a connection there that now I want to hear your story because guess what? You heard mine and you're, and like I said, you're shaking your head because you get it. You relate to it. And now it's all tied in our personal lives, our professional lives. It's all tied in together. So if we can help one person, then all this is for the good. You know what I mean? If we can get one person to be like, holy shit, that dude's an open book. If you can get one person to listen to your story, then it's all worth it. It's the same way with the wrestling. If I can get one person's show to make it better, to where they're drawing an extra 30 or 40 people, then it's for the better. You know, that's the way I look at it. You know, a lot of people don't think that way. I mean, you said you've been to some shows or whatever, where you know it's like, you know, people are pitting each other against each other, and there's ego, like man come on you know and i'll even tell you another story real quick about how i am as a person and it has to actually do with the with the michigan wrestling orlando christopher was running a couple shows up in michigan uh recently just a couple years ago and he had everything in place well his uh his uh, music guy bailed on him he calls me he says brother he's like you got sound and stuff, man, or whatever? What You know, what do you need? You know, uh, what do you need for me to, to get you up here? And I said, dude, if you need me, I will be there. I said, no questions asked, I will be there. I said, cover my gas, and I'll be there. Guess what? Me and one of my staff members or whatever that helps me at every show, we drove up there. We drove up there to Brighton, Michigan, and I did his sound and his mics and everything for the show or whatever. He gave me, I think, 60 bucks to cover our gas, and we did it with a smile on our face or whatever, because guess what would happen? If he did that show and it didn't have no sound and no mics, what would everyone think? It's a shitty wrestling promotion or whatever. That's backyard. That's this. That's that. That doesn't care. That doesn't blah, 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 blah. So guess what? He calls me because he could depend on me, and he knows that if I'm available, I'm going to do it, no questions asked, and that's what I did. I drove two and a half hours one way. Set up the sound, set up the mics, did everything, ran his sound or whatever and all that or whatever, and he handed me $60 for sound to run it or whatever, which basically covered our gas for the night. I'll help anybody. If I'm available and there's a way of doing it, I'll do it every single time. You know, and a lot of guys don't do that. It's the same scenario. I'll give you a good good example. It's the same scenario as what happened with the Gut Check Challenge. That was my birthday weekend. My wife had made plans to go to Cincinnati, had hotel booked, paid for reservations for, you know, restaurants, this, that, and the other. And when they called, she already knew what was going to happen. She flat out said, she's like, hey, I already canceled the reservations or whatever at the hotel or whatever because I already know you're going to go down there and help them because they need a room. So that's what I did. And that's my birthday weekend. That's what this business is about. Is about helping each other, and making it better for everybody involved. You know what I mean? Um, the fans' experience, the wrestlers' experience, sponsors' experience. I mean, that's what it's about. You know, none of us are getting rich doing this. It's for the love of the business. It's for the love of doing it. And 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 I, and I tell people this all the time. Independent wrestling is almost like the mob. It's for life. You're not getting out. <laughs> So why not have some fun along the way? You know what I mean? So it's all good, man.
1: You talked about war wrestling, getting ready to celebrate 20 year anniversary. And there's an anniversary show coming up. Let's talk about the anniversary show okay
0: well how we normally do things whatever is we work backwards and what I mean by that is is, is we, we plan our anniversary shows it's a big huge ordeal um, we do a hall of fame where the wrestlers are suits and ties and the women are dressed up in high heels and this that, and the other and we give out you know nice professional looking plaques professional plaques and uh, we induct guys that have uh, you know helped us along the way or influenced us in a way uh, Nate Matson has been inducted Eddie Venom's been inducted uh you know guys like that from the michigan uh, area or whatever um you know and it's just our way of basically thanking all of those guys for helping pave the way you know at the end of the day when it comes to this business you know especially on an independent level all we have is our memories and i want these guys that have sacrificed everything to be a part of independent professional wrestling to have that one moment where they feel appreciated because 99.99% of us don't feel appreciated when it comes to independent professional wrestling. So, you know, given these guys an opportunity and this will be our 10th year of doing the hall of fame. And, uh, it's, it's, it's turned into, I tell people all the time it's turned into a different beast. It's kind of like turned into a, uh, it's our WrestleMania, as you could say, you know, like it's a year's worth of angles and storylines that are all built up. It's a year's worth of, uh, you know, building them up to where, you know, the fans see the payoff, But it's also the same scenario where these guys get that one last hurrah in front of the fans. You know, um, the first year we did it, I'm thinking, uh, you know, 30 or 40 old people will show up for the Hall of Fame. Um, You know, it is what it is. And we had like 500 people show up for the Hall of Fame. And I was blown away. Like literally, because it's literally right before our big show, and we didn't, you know, we don't charge extra for the Hall of Fame or whatever. And ever since then, man, it's just kind of like taking on a life of itself. Where we you know we do matches, we get sponsors. Um, you know, the sponsors help pay pay for the show. Um, you know, I'll give you a good example. You know, we get we have a stage, uh, sixteen by twenty four, and then it has a ramp that's four foot by forty foot uh, that goes all the way out to the ring, and just to rent that ramp for the show is a thousand dollars just so those guys can be elevated two foot up off the ground and it's got a bigger present that's a thousand dollars well we got sponsors that cover all that stuff now you know because they we've made it bigger than life and uh you know it's it's just one of those things It's, it's 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 like i said this is our 10th year of doing the hall of fame it's gotten bigger and better every single year um It's a you know a big huge event. You know, uh, tickets for that start at like twenty two dollars for VIP, and we limited the amount of tickets. I think this year it's like two hundred and eighty two tickets or whatever altogether, and it probably will be one hundred percent sold out within a couple of days those whole 282 because it's you know it's our uh it's our that's our wrestlemania like i said that's our wrestlemania you know what i mean and people will flock um i think a couple of years ago before COVID, we had fans from like 11 different states and canada that attended the show you know so it's a big huge ordeal you know we're, we're looking very forward to this year's you know we're trying to get back that sense of normal um you know i would be ecstatic if we drew 500. Um, I would be ecstatic with that. You know, it's not quite what I want, but I would be ecstatic with 500, especially during these times. And the ironic thing, anybody that knows me knows if we have 499, I'm probably going to be upset. (laughs) so but yeah it's a good time man you know it's uh may 21st in lime ohio um you know like i said we do the hall of fame and all and all that and literally we have fans uh i think doors open at four o'clock and the show will probably be over about 10 so we have fans that will literally be there the whole time and they will stand in line and basically quote-unquote tailgate an hour or two prior to that you know, just because they want that experience, you know, of being a part of that show, you know, and it's a huge thing. It's a huge ordeal. You know, we, we love doing it. um, You know, we love uh, the boys performing in front of it. You know, most of the matches are gimmick matches, um, you know, uh, and it goes back to, you know, we're talking a little bit about, you know, the pissing contests in wrestling. Uh, two years ago, or was it last year? No, it was two years ago. Two years ago, it was like every single match tried to outdo every single match because they're all gimmick matches per se you know there was a cage match and there was this and there was that or whatever by the end of it i literally felt like the main event they're gonna have to pull out a gun and kill each other you know it was just like "Ah, we can't do that so now we're just more or less just pushing the envelope as far as the emotional connection with the fans and all of that you know there'll be some couple there'll be a couple gimmick matches this year or whatever but there won't be no craziness on we've done some crazy you know we did you know we did uh we did a, a steel cage with a scaffold over top of it you know what i mean we've done war games with two rings and two steel cages you know we did a steel cage with bob wire wrapped around the whole top of it you know what i mean like we kept wanting to raise the envelope and i was just like man we can't keep doing that you know what i mean like at what point in time do you draw the line <laughs> you know what i mean and like i said like i think it was last year or the year before i think it was two years ago like i'm sitting there watching it and i'm like man this is going to be nuts by the end. You know what I mean? You know, like, you know, like these guys, Look, I'll give you a good example. It was actually Orlando Christopher. He wrestled, uh, he, he wrestled Aaron Williams, which both those guys are phenomenal in the ring. And they wanted a uh, double ladder, which basically means that they could walk up both sides of it or whatever, 10 foot, you know, they wanted to do some crazy ass shit, you know, off of that, whatever, because they were doing, a, you know, tables, tables, ladders and chairs match. And I spent $300 on this ladder and at some point in the match Orlando christopher decides to jump off the balcony instead of using the ladder and i'm sitting there thinking well i just wasted 300 because we got the same response of him jumping off that balcony as we did the 300 but my point of it was is you know we just kept upping the ante and upping the ante and i was legitimately worried about some of these guys' safety and so i'm like we're not doing that like you know like we're not going to do you know the 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 triple cage with the scaffold over top of them we're talking like it was legit like you had to climb on the outside of the cage to get on top of the scaffold to get the belt You know what I mean? Like, that's some crazy stuff, you know what I mean, to to do. So we just kind of nixed it. You know what I mean? We did, And I'm not saying it takes away from the show because it's not. It's not going to take away from the show. We're still going to have the gimmick matches and all that. You know, we did Bobwire last year, a Bobwire ring rope match. And, like, for our fans, you know, that was the equivalent of, you know, cutting off a dude's arm. You know what I mean? Like they'd never seen anything like that. They never experienced all that, uh, that, you know, but it was built up over time to where, when they finally did it, it meant something, you know? So yeah, that's the, the anniversary shows is, is, is a different beast, man. You know, look, we welcome the fans to come and see that show because that is definitely our show where we go all out. You know what I mean? Like I said, we got new lighting. We got the staging. Um, you know, we bring out all the. You know, we buy all the. You know, gimmicks or whatever. You know, and do all that and the tables and the chairs and we do all that sort of stuff or whatever. You know, but you also got to look at it from the aspect of is it's an emotional connection where these fans have seen the build up for a year. It ain't just a random show where two guys are, you know, doing a tables, ladders, and chairs match. You know what I mean? Like, so there's the emotional side to it, and the angle side, and the gimmick side, and that's our biggest draw. I mean, I think that's the, what separates us from a lot of other promotions. Is is we work backwards. You know, we will we know what we're doing for next year's anniversary show, pretty much after this year's anniversary show, and everything builds to that. You know, and some things may change. You know, guys get hurt or they retire or they're booked someplace else or something like that. That That's that's independent professional wrestling. You know, you're never going to be able to change that, you know, but we know a generalization or whatever of that, Um, you know, and kind of a cool thing is, you know, we talked about sponsors or whatever, like we're going to have a minimum right now. We got 40 legitimate sponsors, sponsors for this show. You know, we got, 40, we got 40 sponsors that are paying a minimum of $75. And it's strictly because we've built a brand in this community and they believe in what we're doing because guess what's happening is, is all those free tickets that the sponsors no longer want, we're donating those to the Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and, you know, the MRDD guys or whatever that financially can't afford to make the show. So, you know, they're going to get, It's a win-win situation, you know, we get the financial part from the sponsors, but then the fans also get a kick-ass show for virtually nothing because the sponsors are going to give us 99% of those tickets back, you know, so everything goes hand in hand, you know, we're building a brand and we're giving the fans a kick-ass show and, you know, and and honestly, this is the one show a year or whatever that like it, it just kind of runs itself. And what I mean by that is is it's like I'm still in boss mode, but it's like it, this is a year in the planning. So it's like I'm so relieved after this show is over. <laughs> it's like I'm just I'm just like oh my god, this show is over, you know. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I'm I think it's a cool experience for everybody. You know, if anybody's you know wants to come and check out our show. Uh, that at least the anniversary show that is definitely the must see show of the year. Um, you know, if you have any uh, listeners or followers or whatever that uh, would be interested, I'll tell you what, man, I'll be straight up honest with you. If they reach out to you to, to me through this podcast or whatever, I'll definitely hook them up with some tickets, even half-price tickets or something, because I want people to just to have a good night out without all the stress and drama of day-to-day life. So if they want to make the drive to Little Ol' Lima, Ohio, and see war wrestling or whatever, I'm cool with that. I'm totally cool with the fans just having a great time, a great night out, a great you know atmosphere, or whatever, and them supporting independent
1: professional wrestling. Well, Thomas, thank you for coming on, sharing your story. Cool. Absolutely. Talking about war wrestling. I uh, really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to do this. Absolutely. And we'll talk again soon. I appreciate you.
0: Absolutely, man. You take care, man. Thank you so much. Are you struggling? Need to talk to someone? Reach out to the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at one 800 273 8255 That's one 800
1: 273 8255.